0: Greetings, friends. Uh, it's Chapa. We're back at you. It's uh, me, Matt, and Felix. And in just a little bit, we will be breaking down for you a, a wonderfully witty piece of political satire called Irresistible, written and directed by Jon Stewart, that I think, you know, very, very poignantly, but also amusingly captures the spirit of the year 2007. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have a full, uh, full dossier for you on, uh, on this wonderful film that we all enjoyed very much. But uh, before we get to that, just briefly at the top of the show, I'd like to uh, address a little bit of uh, late breaking news that I'm sure you, the listener, will uh, be interested in. I'm speaking, of course, about uh, we all woke up today and found out that the FBI had arrested uh, our girl, Ghislaine Maxwell. And uh, wouldn't you know it, she's just been living in the United States all this time weird what? <laughs> it's weird that she didn't like flee the country or anything like that she's just been hanging out and you know i mean look uh especially on issues like this uh all one can really do is baselessly speculate and you know that's why you you come to us and my my initial read and gut instinct on this is do not hold your breath like this is going to be some kind of dramatic uh, other shoe falling chickens coming home like all the dominoes finally in place moment because I, this just reeks of limited hangout to me. And the fact that she was oh, yeah. arrested now just, it, it, it seems like they wouldn't have done that if like they didn't have all their ducks in the row and whatever perjured testimony she'll offer in exchange for immunity will be used to, uh, cover up the crimes of many rich and powerful people rather than bring them to justice. That's, that's my quick tip yeah. on this.
1: Or they'll just lose her. They'll just be like, uh well, <laughs> no. she's back yeah, she's back in New Hampshire. How, uh, ha-
2: what happened? We turned around and she was just gone.
1: Uh yeah. I like that she was in New Hampshire the entire time like just going back yep. and f- drunk driving between Bedford and Worcester Mass <laughs> going, going on, <laughs> on listening a... to Centrifold Jay Kyle's band <laughs> <laughs> just making sure she got the cheap the got
2: the cheap cigarettes she always got to go make sure you're in New Hampshire to get the cheap cigarettes
1: yeah she was smoking Benson and Hedges and just waving at at Bedford PD <laughs> hey, hey you know what what the fuck was going it's, on New Hampshire
0: is the live free or die state and you know yeah. now she will be Either living free or dying very soon. Yeah, one or the other. My it's guess true. is is that she will not get uh,
2: Epstein. I think that Will's correct. This is all to put the thing as close to bed as possible.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. There. I mean, if I had to, if I were a betting man, uh, if I could bet on this, I would. <laughs> uh, I love gambling. Is the only good sport. It's, but, the only, uh, it's the most
0: honorable thing a man can pursue if yeah, he's good at no. it. <laughs> it's
1: better to it's better to be good at gambling than like raising your kids or reading. But Absolutely. Uh, I mean, one
0: one thing leads to the other. You know, yeah. yeah.
1: If you don't win money gambling, chances are you're not going to fund your kids' college trip. You're it just no, you're not going to be a good provider without gambling. But uh, I would probably guess they just prolong the pretrial for about three years and then just drop it, yeah. hoping that hoping that the ephemeral nature and uh, lack of any real news cycle or cultural memory of Americans benefits them. Which it probably will. I mean, who are we kidding? Like most Americans who now know about this case watched a a documentary made by james patterson a bill clinton confidant and <laughs> yeah. like oh damn no i know everything about this now
0: so i can't yeah. I, the one thing i'm looking forward to is um alan dershowitz to fire off a tweet about this where he's like see i told you all and then it's just like uh giz underscore maxwell dot Payspin underscore xx four five oh zero one two dot jpeg Take look, take a look, y'all.
1: I like that. Like Alan's just gonna hang around forever. Like he's clearly like. It, I feel like if he was gonna, if they're they're only like setting him up. He's only the fall guy in like the court of public opinion sense. Yeah, but like he's not actually gonna go down. But that doesn't stop him from every day just like answering his like sticking his head out the window and going like. <laughs> And another thing, I've never been accused of killing my wife. <laughs> no, yeah, his, his, his tweet a, the other, hello, tweet the other week. <laughs> I've never had sex with anyone outside of my family.
0: <laughs> his tweet last Children week. Children
1: give better massages because their hands are smaller. It's not sexual.
0: <laughs> his tweet last week that was just like, he was like, I've never visited the Epstein Island without my wife, and I challenge anyone to prove otherwise. And it was just like, yeah. Funny that you'd visit the island with the only person who can't be legally compelled to testify against you, but cool, go <laughs> off, King. It's no,
1: inri- well, Dershowitz clearly saw the episode of The Sopranos where uh, Adriana realizes a husband and wife can't
0: testify against each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's illegal. He was like, and I'm, I'm also marrying my daughter. <laughs>
2: they really can't testify if they somehow end up
0: falling off of the Brooklyn Bridge, that's for sure. <laughs> Do a little Googling there. Okay. All right. That's, uh, we got, we got that out of the way. That's, uh, the news for the day. But, um, uh, just, just as pressing for us is, uh, our, our digestion of the, uh, recently released, uh, new Amazon films, um, just, just razor sharp bit of political satire, Irresistible, starring Steve Carell and Rose Byrne and directed by John Stewart. And written by. This yeah. is a this
2: is a total passion project.
0: This John is a yeah. this is, this we'll is a John Stewart, Stewart The Sunset
1: joint.
2: and this is what he's been thinking
1: of. And you this know is, what, like,
2: this is where he's been.
1: Probably the most beloved comedian in America when he departed. Like towards the end of John Stewart's reign, conservative that was like the peon that conservatives would give liberals. They'd be like, Well, there's one liberal like John Stewart. He skewers both sides because he was just so beloved. Everyone loved him. Yeah. Everyone thought he was the best. And in his time, he was the best, but um, comedy doesn't. Yeah, comedy's is very ephemeral.
0: This movie is a really brutal cautionary tale about the half life of political satire. I and, lost you know, it, just man. Sort of, Yeah, I just kept just,
2: thinking of that that scene from uh, from Bottle Rocket when they when the old guy, the old Indian guy, tries to do the the crack the safe and he just can't do it. And he's like, "I lost it, man. I lost <laughs> it." And Owen, and Owen Wilson goes, "Did you ever have it to begin with?"
1: Forget it. Just first
2: place and <laughs> i mean i will say stewart in the moment was able to to channel the moment in a way that
0: was decently useful but he lost it man and you know like uh, i mean we'll go through the movie in a way that, that preserves its its wonderful surprises for you the listener uh, you know sort of re- recreate the experience of watching it for you but i mean I, I guess like just the main takeaway i have before we start talking about the actual movie is that the only way this film makes sense is if, if this is just a screenplay Jon Stewart had written on, like, the weekends in, like, the height of The Daily Show and that's been sitting yes. in, like, a, a chest for the last 10 years and then, like, Amazon was just like, oh, well, yeah, well, just make make a movie. Put it out. Because it's just, like, the the world it portrays and, like, the targets of its, its you know, skewerings is just, just seem like a totally different galaxy from, like, the political world that we live in now. It's just, it's a movie very, that is so oddly, like, not in tune with the times that it's supposed to take place in
2: it's uncanny watching old comedy is even if it's not funny often instructive because it shows oh this is what people thought back then these were the dominant things things that you would miss you know just reading at the history because the culture a lot of the cultural ephemera kind of dissolves but it's just it's incredibly disorienting watching something that was made now that feels like an amber trapped period piece I mean, an Andertrap period comedy from a different era. That's wild.
1: It is. It's like in that sense, I really enjoyed watching it. In that sense, like seeing the exact culture of 2006 at a high frame rate in 1080p (laughs) in modern, modern fashion and modern actors and the modern Steve Carell, not Michael Scott Steve Carell, but like the sort of bearded Steve Carell. The 50-year-old Steve Carell that 24-year-old yeah, the, women the, yeah, want yeah, to the, choke them.
0: Yeah, the guy, the, the guy who, like, post-office became, like, the go-to actor for sort of, like, happy, sad, middle-aged guy comedies. Like, you know, dating in yeah, real life and, Steve, you know, yeah, uh, Steve, crazy Steve sexy Carrell, love or whatever.
1: Steve Carell ever since The Office has been angling to be an Alexander Payne protagonist.
0: Yes, yes. That's
1: clearly what he wants to be. He wants to be in a movie where, like, his wife dies and his daughter hates him.
0: I mean, I it's, realize- funny, it's funny you bring up Alexander Payne because, I mean, like, Election would be the counterexample to this, which is a movie uh, basically about the 2000 election, but is holds up in every possible respect. No, well, and Alexander- it's only gotten sharper, really, in retrospect.
1: Alexander Payne's the master. He's the king. You know, you listen to the show and you're like, who do you guys like besides, like, John Carpenter <laughs> or The Sopranos or Scorsese? Alexander Payne, a lot of people, the descendants. Not even a political the sentence is just like a great movie about a depressed man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. Alexander Payne fucking rocks. He gets the he gets our seal of approval. 100%. Uh, he
2: he is well because he is observant. I mean yes. he is he is a Greek guy from the middle of the country, which means he has that sort of Cohen Brothers slight remove and he uses it to full effect to analyze the, the Goyasha pigs all around him. And he makes <laughs> good art out of it. I realize yeah. now that uh, the feeling of watching uh, this movie uh, would be the equivalent of watching a movie that came out this year starring like Timothy Chalamet, uh, that was in every other respect like a, a greasy lensed, horny sex comedy from the eighties. The kind where every scene would like be canceled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tim- Timothy Chalamet yeah, yeah. and Saoirse Ronan every
0: scene- starring in Porky's Five or something. Exactly. Like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Timothy Chalamet out of touch with the moment.
1: Yeah, Timothy Chalamet in a movie where like everything now is correctly categorized as date rape. Yeah, <laughs> and and blackface. Yeah. There's just blackface in literally every scene for no, no yeah, reason. It's, it's,
0: uh, yeah, Saoirse Ronan uh, does um, what's it the, uh, the 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 Harvard Harvard blackface movie? It's the yeah. sequel to that where she's a woman. Yeah. soul man soul Soul woman soul woman Woman starring sarsha ronan uh, that would be the equivalent to this film
1: this movie reminded me of something that technically does not exist that maybe some of you know of a a year and a half ago me and andrew of me one created a fictional movie (laughs) in our head canon called push pull where bradley cooper plays a democratic advisor to a presidential candidate and alexander daddario is an rnc operative and uh, I'm going to give you guys some sample lines of dialogue. Please, Ben. Uh, Daddario. So, do you always tear up after sex? Cooper. Looking at his phone. We did it. Referring to some weird law, sending black kids to go to a private school. <laughs> Didario. Oh, my God. Hey, this is really good. Cooper. Smiling, fighting the tears. Yeah, they caress each other. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cooper. We've won unwinnable elections, gave people affordable health care, and changed the goddamn country. Why can't I raise a daughter, Obama stand-in? Well, if we figured that one out, I'd be on my third term. But I think you're doing just fine, John.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. If – if John Stewart, if, if 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 we are correct, and this screenplay was written when John Stewart was still doing the Daily Show, that is his only defense uh, against um, you being sued by you and Andrew Hudson from E1 for directly copying the plot of pushball. this is because this movie is about a Republican and a Democratic strategist who uh, uh, have a prior relationship, who sort of spar and jostle with one another over the election of a, a small town Wisconsin mayor's race. So why don't we no, uh yeah. why don't we just go why don't we just go into the movie let's 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 dive in so uh it, it begins in a pre credit pre credit sequence with um like you hear like in voiceover Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump from the 2016 debate right so like you hear yes. little clips of that and then you see um like in the spin room the two main characters um Gary Zimmer played by uh Steve Carell. And um, ice-cold Republican bitch, a.k.a. Ann Coulter, a.k.a. played by Rose Byrne. I mean, that was, like, the first thing that was, like, dramatically out of place in this movie for me was Rose Byrne's character as the sort of, like... Uh, icy sexually voracious blonde who's like you know offensive and calls guys pussies like it seemed like she was a stand-in for that ann coulter archetype that was like the avatar of like a republican like uh uh, evil bitchy ruthless republican uh yeah like sort of like or
2: otherwise known as as felix's dream woman
0: (laughs) yeah
1: i there's no comment whether (laughs) you know if a waspish woman about heights 5'7 to 5'11 of 80% Anglo or Saxon extraction who was sexually cruel and a uh, very icy personality, whether or not I would put a dairy farm in her uterus, <laughs> if she behaved as Rose Byrne does in this movie. But you
0: don't but, know what I mean, though? Like, it's, just, it's so clear her her character is a stand-in for yeah she's like laura and grim yeah Yeah, all all these
1: women are like 85 now yeah Yeah. and and, and it's just like if this
0: movie were genuinely written about 2020 or about this current moment like that character would be like some daffy like internet lunatic like laura loomer or fucking cassandra fairbanks it just yeah it would be just like some pure like internet grifter hustler who's just not even good at her job or like you know is anything like Reaches the level of like a respectable political operative like like all those people all those archetypes of the bush years are gone like yeah they, they, they're, they're I mean they might down. still
2: hang around Washington, but they're just collecting paychecks they're they're not driving any of this shit they're not they're not making us all dance on their puppet strings. We're way beyond any, uh, that level of control of so, the narrative.
1: Yeah. And, and guys, like, at, guys, who, guys who have been like wiping the mustard off Donald Trump's hot dogs have more power <laughs> than these people. All they get, all they like that happens to them is Qataris pay them $3 million a year to access their Rolodexes. That's it. They don't yeah. really have any influence anymore.
0: Yeah. Um. And like the, 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 other than that, like the first clue that I think that I, I perceive that this movie was written in 2007 is that like, you know, it cuts back and forth between Carell and Rose Byrne in the spin room post-debate. And it starts out with they're both flacking for their candidate, Clinton or Trump. And, you know, Carell is just like, oh, he's lying to the American people. And then Rose Byrne's just like, actually, he's not lying to the American people. And then their dialogue goes into a kind of, uh, like a fake sort of like, like a, like like a, like a dream reality where they're speaking the things that they're thinking. And what they're saying is, uh, Uh, Hey, I'm lying to you. I'm here talking to you because I'm the best at lying and that like you're coming to me for the lies that I tell you. (laughs) And I remember that that was literally a joke that Jon Stewart did on The Daily Show like 15 years ago where it was just like, they call it the spin room. The journalists (laughs) go to the room where they're telling you that they're lying to you and then reporting on the lot, the spin that they're, you know, pitching. Yeah, so. Like, that was a, yeah, that was a classic Daily Show bit. And this was just, you know, made manifest in in this screenplay, in this film. So, of course, um, you know, like, we all know how the 2016 election turned out. Uh, It goes from there to uh, sort of like a pan through uh, Steve Carell, who's the, you know, hotshot Democratic strategist who just blew the 2016 election. Um, It's like, as the camera pans through his house and, like, there's a shot of it, uh, where it's just like there's a photograph of him and Bill Clinton, and then he has books on his bookshelf written by both Bill Clinton and Alan Dershowitz. And I was wondering, <laughs> this is this is where my brain began to wonder, like how self-aware of itself the movie is, and it's a question that's still open in my mind. Like I haven't fully resolved in my head, like just what the point of view of the of John Stewart or the people who made this movie is about its main character and people like him, um, and you know Carell. He's in bed and like you know there's like a liquor bottle on the floor and you could tell that he's just like you know like wasted strung out and like you know defeated and humiliated by Because his, there's his a goddamn brutal, Cheeto in the White House. There is a there is a Cheeto in the White House and he assured everyone that there was no way that Cheeto there's would be no che- in Michigan. Mean, it's not even Wisconsin, a human being. It's a giant snack treat.
2: How could he become president? It's absurd to
1: even suggest. Uh, what if you told me to you Dude, if you told me in 2015 that a tangerine tyrant would be in the White House, what the F? What the actual F?
0: So, so like, yeah, and then, and then it cuts to, like, you know, a credit sequence that, you know, edits together footage of, you know, people on the campaign trail throughout American history. And then, like, the so the plot sort of gets going where it's, uh, you know, Steve, Steve Carell is – you know, back at work at the at the DNC Adrenochrome farm and he's looking for a way for Democrats to to sort of to to get back what they've lost and appeal to rural Americans. And like once again it's this very Red state, blue state divide that really just, it just heavily relies on like a paradigm of like an, a much earlier era of like the George W. Bush years where it's just like, I guess red and blue states are still a phenomenon, but like this movie really becomes a duel of like, like a, a duel of cultural signifiers between like big city types and like, you know, rough hewn red state, yeah. middle America. And
2: in reality, the, the terrain of conflict for presidential politics in the last decade plus has been suburbs. Not not mythical rural small towns. The suburbs. That's it. That's where all of the shifting and all the all the all of the uh, vote splitting is happening, and that's where all the focus is on. It's yeah. not in the in the in the fent hollers where nobody is even lives anymore.
1: Yeah, here's you know what's really crazy about rural communities. They actually have a significantly lower population density than suburbs or urban centers. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah,
2: making Who it a knew? weird place Who to the focus fuck all of your political attention uh, on. Consider so are you getting less is, for your dollar,
1: which is not to say that, like, you know, who gives a shit about rural communities? They're like very underserved by both. By that's both why, runs, obviously, <laughs> because no one lives there. Yeah. But like this was a very popular thing, both in 2004 and after 2016, the idea that Trump was brought in by like a, a, a in Mark Sanford's words a whirlwind of votes <laughs> from rural communities and not just that like he won the suburbs and Urban like a lot of urban centers just didn't vote right yeah in a lot of key places because they were so discouraged by their choices or or, or
0: or you know weren't you know weren't able to even if they wanted to right
1: yeah. no yeah um,
2: because, because so, but the thing is it's not about the rural area shit it's not about the raw votes it's about as you said the signifying and the rural signifiers are fetishized and the thing is is that Stewart is aware of that and we'll get to that but you still have to watch the movie. Where they're doing this, which is yeah. not fun,
0: and, and it's just like all the jokes, all, all like all, all the all the comedic beats are like a, like a, like a good chunk of them are based on this like uh if I hey I'm a guy that wears a Patagonia fleece vest and drinks uh, soy lattes and then like oh but you're a guy who wears like the sort of like the snap button shirts and drives a pickup truck yeah. like it's like it's it's that kind of uh, dichotomy where they're mining a lot of the jokes in this movie that just again it it just seems like a a, a previous decade.
1: Even if you are admitting that that conceit is stupid, it's like if you still wrote approximately three hundred jokes about that dichotomy. Yeah, it still sucks. Yes, it's <laughs> yeah, still really it. bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's dog shit. Um, so so the plot of the movie gets started when you know uh, S- Steve Carell is, is 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 putting in work at the Adrenochrome factory, and one of his underlings. Uh, uh brings to his attention a a viral video from a small town in Wisconsin where uh you know we, we see this set of sort of set up to it where it's a uh, Chris Cooper uh is plays a, a former marine colonel who's now a farmer in like a small Wisconsin town called, called uh, Deer Lockin. and you know he's got he's got the rough hands drives a drives a pickup truck listens to Glenn Campbell and like the opening scene is him driving to a meeting at the town hall where they're debating a uh, bill that would require uh, like a driver's license or state ID to get um, government benefits in the community. And, you know, he, he shows up at a public forum and and takes a stand for, you know, supporting everyone in the community, including like uh, I there, there's a funny scene where he's like he's talking about um, undocumented uh, immigrants. And then he's just like, you know, uh, you know, I, th- I think our town is built by everyone. Even you, Diego and Manuel, and he's just like pointing out people who are undocumented. It seems a bit a bit iffy, you know. Like you would, hey, just keep keep that on the low, buddy. We're just trying to trying to get by here. Just don't want yeah. to get a uh, ice cold on us
2: for 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 a Marine uh, Colonel. His opsec is dog shit
0: and he's like, because I'm in the I'm a Marine that I, I know that the weakest link in the chain is you're only as strong as you know blah blah blah. And hey, would you ask for Jesus's ID? You know, shit like that. And, yeah, like very very fugal thingy in. Yeah, if you were an old head, exactly. He's a, he's it's a, it's it's the classic liberal democratic uh, uh, fetish for finding someone who uh, can be like, "Oh, it's because I believe in Jesus that I I believe in you know I don't know the earned income tax credit or yeah. shit like that." Do you
1: guys do you guys remember these videos from the 2016 election? The liberal hillbilly. <laughs> no. Oh, they were really bad. They were really bad. It was so just, just like just, a guy in West Virginia being like doing shit like that Jesus oh God. christ was an immigrant yeah
0: so very bad so corel sees this like this viral video of like the kind of grizzled marine corps marine corps colonel standing up for you know what are what are essentially democratic party values and he thinks to himself like aha like you know th- this is our ticket back and if i can like just get this guy to run for mayor we'll create sort of an immediate event and uh uh, the, you know, the Democratic Party will sort of, uh, bone up on our rural bona fides and, you know, get a, get a little, little juice, a little traction there. So, uh, he travels to, uh, to Wisconsin. And there's a scene with him driving into town where, uh, while, while, while Chris Cooper was driving to the town hall, he's listening to Glenn Campbell. And Steve Carell's driving into town and, like, he's on the radio, it's the same Glenn Campbell song. And then there's a scene where he changes the radio station from that to Terry Gross and NPR. Uh, and then it's just like you know, like you, you hear the NPR music, and then it's just like uh, this is uh, this is NPR. You're listening to all things gay.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is Homo Pussy Hour. Uh, <laughs> later, we'll give crying instructions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so, so he pulls into town and goes to, goes to the local the local watering hole, and uh, in the beginning of a, a baffling long shot joke. Uh, he walks in and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna relate to these small town guys." He's like, "I'll take a I'll take a burger and a bud." Boy, that sounds good. I just I love a love a ma- you know domestic macro lager and a delicious hammed burger. Yeah, give it to me and they. The guys at the bar are kind of like looking at him like, what the fuck? And then they, but then, lo and behold, they bring him a, a, Bud, a Budweiser and a burger. And he you know, makes small talk with the, 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 the townies, uh, one of whom is played by Will Sasso, in a totally underutilized performance. You know, I mean, if Sasso's in the movie, I'd like to see more of
2: Sasso. Has, 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 has uh, Jon Stewart not seen Drop Dead Gorgeous? Yeah. Perfect. Hon- honestly. Uh, past, uh, tour de force comedic performance for, by Sasso in that movie.
1: If you actually wanted to make a comprehensively funny movie, uh, have Will Sasso in the Steve Carell role.
2: Yeah. Now we're talking.
1: No, Will Sasso is a comedic genius. He's one of the greatest and one of the only actors who made good vines. His vines were really good. Oh, they, they were, were funny. funny. Sasso
0: vines are so fucking with funny. With the lemon He's and shit. So fantastic. fantastic. Uh,
1: he was an absolute king. One of the, still. still
0: and he could br- bring the
2: correct, because the thing about, like, this, we'll get to it. But this movie is poking fun at Steve Carell. He is a subject of humor. His, his pretensions are to be undermined. His assumptions are to be, to be interrogated by Jon Stewart. But he fundamentally, there is a sense of identification with that character when, in fact, that character, for this movie to be meaningful at all, should be uh, fatter, stupider, uh, more contemptuous in every way. And yeah. I think uh, Sasso could have brought that out.
0: So yeah, he's uh, he's at the bar, and then like uh, there's a bit where he uh, he doesn't realize that Budweiser bottles have twist off caps, and he asks for a bottle opener. He's like, ah, oh, my, my my hands are too Jewish to open this beer. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh it, oh
1: I oh if only I didn't have my foreskin taken off. <laughs> uh, do you
0: have any beer for pedophiles? <laughs> Um and then so uh he he gets a room uh, uh you know it he can, he rents a room above the 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 local the the bar the Hoffbrau, the Hoffbrau house the Hofbrow palace um and then like immediately it's there's the beginning of one of many jokes throughout the movie about how uh like he asks for the wi fi password and they're like what's that or like they don't have wi fi and this is like this was this was a real swing and a miss here because like Ugh. everywhere in America has Wi-Fi now.
1: You know how do you like, think like, people, is... these communities, get on Facebook and accuse each other of not raising each other's kids? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean,
2: think they're, they're there, just there, there are like uh, deserts for Internet connectivity in in the boonie boonies of the big square states. But it's very hard to find a, a city, a city the size of which the mayoral election would even be contested that would not have Wi-Fi at like the major stops.
0: Yeah. And now, uh, I mean, another interesting thread to this movie is that, you know, it takes place in in Wisconsin and, you know, Matt. Is a native son, and uh, Catherine, who who watched the movie as well, is also from Wisconsin. So I would just like to get uh, your take on how this film uh, did it accurately capture the uh, the the Wisconsin character or personalities.
2: Uh, one, no one was fat enough. <laughs> Two, no one had the accent. Uh, and three, there was not enough obvious drunk driving. <laughs>
1: No, if i made this movie it would be about the democrats adding drunk driving licenses to their plank and it would be like a feel-good story it would be like a money ball movie about how drunk driving is good
2: you guys are joking but wisconsin had to have their uh federal highway money threatened to be taken away from them to move uh the uh, their uh drunk driving number from 0.1 to 0.08 no
1: yeah that was the tyrant reagan yeah yeah no um the people the most of the people who are part of my Foreign Fighters contingent in the Alberta Independence movie are with former Wisconsinites. <laughs> hoping to find another drunk driving sanctuary. <laughs> in Calgary so, you can drive free.
0: Uh here's another thing that we made note of that um you confirmed does not actu- accurately capture Wisconsin. So like uh the next morning uh when he when he go he wakes up and he goes out to to, to meet with uh, Chris Cooper's Marine character and pitch him on, on running for mayor of this town. Uh, he stops out at the local bakery first and they're like, oh, well, if you're, if you're going to see the, the Colonel, like, please take him his pastries. You know, he can be grumpy in the morning without a little snack or whatever. And Carell just sort of like awkwardly and, you know, like, uh, you know, nervously, uh, you know, plays off this you know, his, his comfort with talking to normal, regular Americans. But then there's a scene where he's in the car and he tries some of a little, like a little crumb cake or a little, a little, little local. It was pastry. streusel. A streusel. And then like, he just sits in his car and just like, just blows ropes straight into his dockers from eating like a, like a gluten based pastry for the first time in probably yeah. 20 years. Yeah. I've only like, been eating Soylent. I have no yeah, idea what flavor is. This tastes and, even better than a smooth boy. <laughs> <laughs> and that like you pointed out like the film really tries to to point like to play up this idea that like hey outside of big city america like the local cuisine is actually like quite quite delectable or just like really yeah. rich and authentic it's and it's real just,
2: flavors it's like no it's the same fucking processed fried uh, pressed uh, corn slurry as everywhere else <laughs> Especially so, with the northern tier. The only thing, the only culinary innovation of the northern tier of states is put cheese in it.
0: That's it. So, uh, so yeah, so he, 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 he rides out to the, the farm of um of the marine and you know like uh he's just sort of like hey like i saw your viral video and it, it really spoke to me and like i'd like to you know bend your ear for a tick about something and then of course you know chris cooper hilariously uh gets him to participate in like a day's worth of chores maintaining his farm and then you know he, he finally pitches him on it but first but first chris cooper's dot da- hot young daughter is revealed as well and you know, like she she becomes a main character as well. But you know, uh, Carell first sees her stick, like elbow deep in a cow's asshole, like uh, artificially inseminating it. And he was just like, "What? A beautiful Before? woman fisting a cow? What? Ugh? Like, is that real? Does this happen?" He's like, "I've only ever seen that at parties." <laughs> That's only um, in the basement
2: of the Brookings Institute.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so he's like, he finally he finally sits down with Chris Cooper, and he's like, "Look." I want you to run for mayor of this town. I know you may not think of yourself as a Democrat, but if what you said in that video is what, how you really feel, then I assure you, you are a Democrat. And like you know, standing up for the little guy, you know, you know appealing to our better angels, and like sort of working hard to like protect the least among us so is like like that's our values. And like I'd really like you to do this for us. And you know, like I t- I'm not going to bullshit you. You know, we're losing elections. We're getting our ass kicked right now because guys like me don't know how to fuck daughters like yours so teach me how do i get in your daughter's pants and then chris cooper is just like okay i'll tell you what i'll do it but on one condition you get me to that island i read so much about (laughs) (laughs) i was like that was the thing i always that was again
1: that would have been a hilarious setup for the movie that he looked so good on paper and he has all these democratic values and he's actually a compelling public speaker but they actually meet him and he's like you know, the age of consent is very restrictive. The French intellectuals were right.
2: He, said, he goes, I heard, I, I know what all you high-level Democrats do. You, I've been on the internet and read about your sick rituals with children and, 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 and women of the evening, and I want in. What, what does it take to get
1: involved? That looks yeah. like a lot of fun. We wanted what happened. You, you've heard this story, right? Where the Japanese during World War II were oh, given yeah. the protocols yeah, of the yeah. Elders of Zion by the Germans. And they read it and were like, these guys are awesome.
0: <laughs> 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 we need some of them here. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it was like I, it would like it would have been a funnier movie if like yeah like they they go all in on this Chris Cooper guy and then as soon as he starts talking and they're like pot committed he's just like uh, I want I want to direct your attention to this map of uh, synagogues in the greater uh, Wisconsin area.
1: <laughs> Look, we have to get Jews out of the Department of Energy. He's <laughs> speaking <laughs> like that while like the orchestral music swells.
0: So. uh... So yeah, like, uh, he, he gets Chris Cooper's character on board, but like the actual, uh, caveat that Chris Cooper, uh, pitches to him, is he's, he's like, look, I'll do this. I'll run for mayor, but only if you personally like move here for the months it'll take to do it and directly run my campaign. Like you can't just fob it off onto one of your guys. Like you need to, you know, you need to be in this with me, like as partners, get your hands dirty, run my campaign for real. Like, and if you do that, I'm your guy. So, uh, you know, Carell, um, he agrees to it. And this is like a, another sort of like, again, of, a, of an earlier era, like the sense that this movie gave me is that it just seemed to be a, a comedic depiction of the Democrats' strategy in the 2006 midterm election. Like the Rahm Emanuel Blue Dog strategy, where they're like, oh, how do we defeat Bush and the Republicans in the war on terror? And they're like, uh, just find some like, guy who's voted Republican his all his entire life and has been a troop and who will, is willing to just change sides and run for us one time
1: yeah you know we saw how how
0: that story ended
1: a lot of those guys got elected you want to guess how many terms them? yeah 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 two max uh they got fucking those guys got fucking annihilated by the most mentally ill jet ski dealers in america in 2010 (laughs) they got fucking owned
0: yeah as soon as the tea party wave came in those guys were fucking like like flies at the end of summer like yeah and, you know, I mean, or if you want a more contemporary example, like this is like, uh, this is the Amy McGrath strategy for the, they're like, oh, oh, oh she was a fighter pilot. Oh, well, that's good enough. So Corell and the Marine colonel, they're going to do it. They're going to challenge the Republican mayor and get some media juice going about how the Democrats are the, the friend of the little guy. And there's a scene where, uh, you know, Carell, um, you know, he sort of checks out the competition and goes to. Uh, a place that they call in the movie the Ambassadors Lounge, which is really just a garage with a bunch of dudes sitting around a table where it's like the mayor and his friends, which is just sort of like a a very low-rent version of Carcosa. You know, it's just like a... The, the jet ski dealership guy local entrepreneurs, athletes and Catholic priests who are just kind of like hanging out together If anyone's uh, is, this seen this the, the Red
2: Riding trilogy, that kind of, guy, <laughs> yeah, like the Sean yeah, Bean yeah, guys.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. hang
2: around at, at the social club uh, allocate all the tax money, run the, run the local police and uh, do ritual sex crimes.
1: No, yeah, it's just like, this is nor- in small town America we don't need temples and Moloch and all that <laughs> bullshit. We don't need <laughs> islands. We have our friend's garage and then we have like a very smooth rural Chalamet type sit on our ass. <laughs> <laughs> so we have we have we have the shortstop on the on the town softball team fart in a bag and we all hug <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So okay. So uh, so like the the DC hotshot is going to sort of like uh, bootstrap this campaign with local volunteers and show them the way that you know a 21st century well-oiled campaign machine is going to run. They're going to bring in data and analytics and they're going to raise money and they're going to they're going to give this guy a go for it. You know, they're going to give him a run for his money. They you know, they're going to they're going to make a race out of it. But lo and behold, they start getting a little a little media buzz which by the way in the movie is portrayed with a screenshot from the Daily Coast and it's just yeah. like just fucking once again just real finger on the pulse of the nation
1: yeah if you put a candidate like this on the daily coast now he would raise approximately 382 dollars from active readers and the rest would be like are you my grandson why are you on my ipad is this facetime
2: (laughs) yeah that's another thing it's like whatever kind of uh you know whatever because he is setting up a, a, a fake out here but things like that are not part of it like he actually has as part of his narrative is something that's supposed to be plausible. Well, this guy went viral and then he got on Daily Coast, and the donations just came in. And it's like yeah. that is all 2006 shit that none of that is really. First of all, like the, idea, the whole movie is premised on the notion that this guy's video has like a, uh, a news cycle of uh, like relevance of more than 24 hours. Yeah. like like joe the plumber like if joe the plumber existed now like he had, a, he had an epic moment with uh with a candidate where he 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 owns him when one way or the other he would have to kill his entire family to get more than a, a an afternoon as a story but this has this guy being like a a multi uh multi news cycle a viral uh f- viral favorite who then sets the net roots on fire the yeah. net roots.
0: If the this net is, roots. Even that phrase is just, it lands like a fucking turd. Like, oh, just plop right there in the bowl. Just, oh man, a 10 year old turd.
1: <laughs> Anyone who goes viral today, it's like there's 20, 20 minutes where people are making the shittiest memes you've ever seen. Yeah. Where it's just like, uh the guy looking at the butterfly and he's like, you know, is this epic bus stop man?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was just and, and like and also the you don't get me. there yeah. you don't
2: get there by telling off the mayor about immigrants. You get there by showing up at the town hall without pants on or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it'll and um then like, you know, some uh woman who's worked for New York Mag for eighty three years is like I want epic bus stop man to fuck me. And then the daily beast writes an article where they're like epic bus stop man, uh, used the ethnic term Siamese on Reddit in 2015. And then people are like, I'm done standing epic bus stop man. And then epic bus stop man is like, I have learned a lot in these past three hours. and Then Vinnie Beetle.
0: Puts them on for and that's the cycle. <laughs> oh God, well, that is the perfect cycle of memification yeah. for our current moment. God yeah, damn. this movie
2: needed Vinnie Beetle to show up in yeah. like a fucking stolen Ford Taurus. Yeah. So, like, yo, yes. you, want to, you want to box the bagel boss <laughs> on, on a like a decommissioned uh, on a decommissioned uh, uh, a, a, a riverboat yeah. used for gambling? Yeah. We're gonna stream it on my website,
1: John Stewart. You're a millionaire. Help us pitch the movie Epic Bus Stop Man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, okay, so like, so Steve, so Steve, through 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 Daily Coast and the net Netroots, uh, the Marine Colonel uh, begins to get some media hits and a little a little bit of juice. But you know, for every, every every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. The Republicans see this. And they're like, aha, we're not going to let this go uncontested. And they send in their hotshot campaign fixer, the Ice Queen played by Rose Byrne. And she shows up in town to run the Republican mayor's uh, campaign. And, of course, you know, it's, uh, it's revealed that her and Steve Carell have a prior romantic relationship or, uh, you know, uh, hook up with one another. And, you know, she shows up and, like, immediately she's just like, hi, Gary, how's your pussy, you homo? And then he's just like, "Oh, okay. Um, uh, see, I see you're out uh, of your old ways again. And she's just like this, uh, this, this, yeah, this like uh, sexually alpha, like a Republican ice queen who, uh, who licks his face to say goodbye to him at one point. Yeah,
2: Al- alpha posture.
0: That was kind of yeah. hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Felix is very, very torqued. I like. No, am I the only guy who
1: thinks that's hot? Like, sort of. I, I, like, can, it see depends. I, I can see, do see who it. Yeah, it's not my favorite like, thing. like I a hot it. woman did it, okay.
0: Or just treats you like shit or just is just, just kind of contemptuous. But like, yeah, as you said, sort of sexually cruel.
1: Yeah, that's every that's every well, mainstream. Not, every, every every Jewish man's dream. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, she's just like, uh, yeah. So she begins, she begins needling him, and then it becomes this arms race between the, uh, the RNC and the DNC, which is, you know, I guess part of the satire of this movie is that they're putting all this, all these mo- all this money and resources into, uh, you know, a, a, a mayoral race of a town of, like, 20,000 people or something like that. Um, you know, like, they, they go to the Fish Fry and Polka, and, you know, they're... Uh, uh, at one point, um, the Steve Carell character, like, literally, she's like, okay... I'll make a bet with you, like, whoever, whoever wins this race has to eat the other's pussy for an hour. And then Steve Carell is just like, okay, you're on. You're going to be, okay, put a net, na- tuck a napkin in because you're going to be, uh, eating, eating, to eating my pussy tonight. Where he's just like, admits that he is just, he has a mangina. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. And, uh, and then, and then, you know, then, then they begin showing, like, within the movie, Versions of the the campaign ads that each of the each of the sides will run, and like the uh, the Republican attack ad on the Marine Colonel is again like it's it's just totally out of the Bush era, where there's like a wolf stalking through a forest, and they're like, "Who do you want to keep you safe?" You know, like vote for strength, and it was just very much of that era. Whereas I feel like if the attack ads were it about 2020, the attack ads that they would run on him would be like. Don't bother voting for the Marine Colonel. He's, or, his, he's already been executed secretly. It's, he's, it's only a tulpa that you're seeing on your television and on the ballot booth. Do not, yeah, don't bother voting for him. He's already been tried for treason and child pedophilia. Yeah,
1: he is currently serving in the Magneto prison at the Earth's core. <laughs> Committee paid for by Majestic 12 for <laughs> d- d- Mayor Fuckler.
0: <laughs> and then, uh, and then, like the, the Democratic Party's ads for Chris Cooper's character are like they, they do a version of the Eric Greitens ad where he just fires a fucking like fifty cow like uh, technical into like a pond, and then he's just yeah. like, "Not your daddy's Democrat." Except it was the Republican guy who did that. But you know, I, I see what they were going for. You know, Greitens yeah. did the he did the mini gun just into like a, a water trap at a golf course and was <laughs> yes, like, yeah, hey, <laughs> problem Democrats. Yeah. Greitens was, I, was like, I, then, of I, course, want, did I want, I want you, yeah.
1: They were like, Greitens was like, "I will be the most me-tooed governor in the history." of <laughs> Well, I was this gonna
0: country. say, uh, and then he won, and then uh, did a whole bunch of rapes, and then had to resign. But oops. But that, well, maybe that. But it's very. That's a very good moment to reflect on the
2: film because what is his attempt? What is Stewart's attempt to parody the Greitens video where the guy uh, empties a Gatling gun into a pond? He has him empty a machine gun into a pond. There's no. Uh, there's no escalation because it's there's. What are you gonna do? It's already at the highest level of absurdity. Like, trying to make, uh, uh, trying to make campaign ads uh, hilariously, absurdly heightened is a fool's errand because of all the political things, they're the most heightened. They're already there. He just he shot a gun into a pond, and then you just showed your guy doing it. That's just a reference. That's not a, a heightening or a joke on it. Uh, yeah.
0: an- another version of an ad that I think would be like more in tune with the current moment Would be if it was like the Republican mayor's wife who has like a barcode haircut singing like a very bad version of like my country tis of thee over footage of like, I don't know, uh, illegal immigrants jumping over a fence and then like and then but holding a gun too. this. So
1: the problem, what you referred to that this like the palette is already absurd. And so with political ads, at least you can't make it more absurd. So you're just stuck with like a shitty like, hey, remember this? The lowest form of humor. Remember this? Remember this? Remember this? It's a problem throughout political comedy. I'd say for the last, like, five to ten years, and I call it, like, the Seth MacFarlaneization of political comedy. Yeah. yeah. Because everything is just pure reference and, like, jamming one reference into another. So, like, if you watch, like, the Modern Daily show or anything, it's just like, um, oh, there's a new Trump thing. Is that, like, alternative facts? Remember that? It's just, it's, it's yeah. all just <clears throat> trying to trick your brain into rewarding itself for making a connection. Yeah. And there's no actual observation. And I have sympathy for it because it is hard to like. Exactly. G- yeah, g- it's hard. It's already at its most ridiculous. So you, you have to like work a little harder than maybe you had to a while ago. Yeah. But it's also like. Well, Trevor Noah makes like $15 million a year. I have very little sympathy.
2: Yeah, I know. That's it. It's a harder job, but these and these guys aren't up to it is what it comes down no, to. No, yeah. They're, they're yeah. Even, even if it was easy. The going got tough, and they said, "Fuck it, just I'll just sign a check, or I'll just, uh, I'll just, yeah. just cash the checks." Uh,
0: like another really like awkward feature of this movie is that it portrays this this small town as sort of hard, falling on hard times. You know, like the main street, a lot of the the storefronts are boarded up, and you know, people are looking for answers because they're struggling more and more every day. But the movie's reason for that is that it's set up as, like, not, it's never spoken at in terms of, like, the offshoring of manufacturing or deindustrialization. It's because the marine base in the town closed down. Yeah. So it's just like, the problem is we're not spending enough on the military to support small town America, apparently. Yeah.
2: Where's yeah. that military Keynesianism? Bring so it
0: back. Yeah. You're making a movie about
1: rural and specifically, like, Rust Belt decline and never mentioning NAFTA. Yeah not for a second no fuck brother
2: industrialization has nothing to do with it it's just some some dc uh some dc idiot drew a line in a in a expense report and cut out the the funds for our base and now we're all poor
1: that's the thing that those were the jobs that paid really well in the rust belt the military like being an enlisted man in the military not fucking manufacturing back when wages kind of kept in pace with the cpi like yeah no, it's the fucking military. You cash out there. Yeah, it's and, like you know, oh I mean, yeah, I, but
2: all all of the uh, all the the car dealerships that sold uh, uh, pickups at wildly inflated interest rates—they're uh, all gone now. Our, our and, wildly inflated interest rates to the, P, the PFCs, I should say. And
0: I, I think it's a marker of just like, uh, you know, not just sort of like the liberal sensibility of the film, but like the overall, uh, just like liberal conception of politics now. I see this from the Pod Save America guys all the time when they're talking about, for instance, like uh, uh, ba- Bowman uh, defeating Elliot Engel. And they're just like, yeah, I mean, like the message here is that, like, you know, Democrats got to find like young cool candidates who tell an interesting story like that's what voters are looking for now and like everything is just like all political conflict is completely denuded of politics yeah. and everything is a contest between competing sort of stories and personalities and like uh, these cultural signifiers once again that the movie is making so so much money out of going on it's um at one point so like the, the more money that goes in like carell's character is just like okay we can't we can't bootstrap it anymore. We got to up our fundraising game. So he brings Chris Cooper with him. They charter a 50K private jet to like fly him to, uh, you know, my parents' apartment on the Upper West Side <laughs> to, 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 to go to like, like a, fun, a fundraising thing. And it's, it's all like, oh, it's the, the small town farmer guys in a room with all these, you know, like wacky rich people on the Upper West Side. And, you know, uh, like, you know, everyone's trying to wine and dine him and shit like that. And they, uh, so like they, they they give him like there's a moment where he gets to like sort of address uh, all of these people with the, the and their checkbooks, and um, instead of detonating a suicide vest, which would you know be the preferable outcome in a situation like that, he, he you know he sort of starts off talking about like you know God you know there's something about this it's just it's just kind of strange to me that I gotta to help my town, I got to go to your town and get money from you, but like I'm not working, you know, for my town and it's just all just like and then he sort of like implies that like he's asked what the biggest problem in politics is and he he implies in a very sort of soft way that the problem is the 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 money of all the people in the room that he's talking to. And he sort of like yeah. spits some real talk and then on the flight back to Wisconsin, Steve Carell is like blown away. He's like, I can't believe how good you did. I couldn't. I'd like you. You completely destroyed it. We could ask for any amount of money from them because you dom them. You you yeah. you sort of you shame them in a way that they love. You know, it's 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 our money that's the problem. That's genius. Like uh, I couldn't think of a uh, political slogan that good. You know, like I, this. What an angle that you're playing here. And and okay, so uh, so with their new donor money. Uh, Steve Carell is able to hire uh, forecaster Enton to run like the, the data operation. And then there's like oh, for Grace. These, these two characters played by Topher Grace and Natasha Leone who come in and give sort of a uh I don't know, a, a crash course on polling versus market research. And like, yeah. poll, like you know, Topher Grace is like the, the Nate Silver, just, just the numbers guy. I have the model. And Natasha Leone is just like the no. Like people lie to polls, but they tell the truth on the computer in terms of what they buy and like the metadata. Like you need to like, you need to look at people's behavior outside of what they'll tell you in a poll. And like, you know, this is how with these two people, like this is how we get the real truth of like micro targeting voters and shit like that. Um, and then, of course, like the uh, the Republican side with Rose Byrne, they bring on their big donors too. In like uh, two guys, that you don't get to see much of it, but they're just two guys in wheelchairs. That it's like very heavily implied as are the Koch brothers. Yeah, and then in in the films. What good scene, one funny scene in this movie. This is a great scene. Actually. That is actually, it does seem funny. like it's
2: imported from a different film. It, it,
0: it, yeah. it seems like it's it's a moment that seems beamed in from a completely different movie, where Carell brings in there like the Democrat, big money billionaire donor, and it's played by the great played by the great Bill Irwin. He's like a like a a, a sort of a a hybrid of Sheldon Adelson and Elon Musk. Yeah. Who has uh, suffered some series of mini strokes and now walks around in sort of like a a mech skeleton? That <laughs> yeah, exoskeleton for him. He has yeah. an exoskeleton and like a, a Stephen Hawking style voice box, but then it, like it doesn't work and it's like jerking him all around and he's like. And then all he wants is just for them to support Israel, which is like, that, that was, was the only th- moment of like, and he, actual asked, cutting. he asked,
2: he asked what his opinion on uh, like the occupation of a specific settlement in the West Bank <laughs> through a robot voice that sounds like a C sea and spell. And that is, yeah.
1: that was like, I don't even, it's so conceptually great and well executed that I don't know how it made it in the movie.
2: The way I think about it is, is I think what Stuart, Stuart's thought was like, all right, I've got I'm I'm at this level, right? Like I I my 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 satire is at this level. I'm trying to keep it realistic. And then he he probably thought of that scene as like a little color, like a little bit of exaggeration to make the rest of it pop, but it speaks to the degree to which he's out of touch that to make a movie about politics in 2020 to have any kind of bite or humor to it that level, the level of that scene has to be the baseline that you operate off of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely if that if the movie had the, like if the movie had had a mediocre plot but was operating at that baseline for two hours, we would have really liked it. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah, because like Instead, that was the only like, scene that, that captures the level of absurdity and grotesquery that is commensurate yeah. with the moment that we're that we're living in.
2: Like so much of the rest of the comedy is all that like, oh look at the rubes and look oh look at this fancy guy. He thinks these guys are rubes, but actually they're sophisticated. Or oh look at this banter between the, the Republican and the Democratic uh fixer and, and oh look at all the references they're making to politics. Oh hilarious. No. Mech suit Sheldon Adelson.
0: Yeah that we, we we were just uh, that, that's that that scene with Bill Irwin though did provoke gales of laughter from us Yeah, so that was, uh, that, we were, was quite, we were that was quite well surprised done surprise as hell yeah um all right so so like it goes on and then like um there's the daughter begins to be a little bit more earnest with Steve Carell and they have a little bit of a fight and then the daughter reveals to him that the guys at the Hoffbrow have only been Just simply like uh, playing along with him, uh, you know, sort of flattering him in a weird way. She's like, "Look, it's a Hofbrau place. They don't have Budweiser and hamburgers. They have German beer and German food. And like, you came in there trying to like pretend." to affect some normal guy thing. And like, you don't even understand what our local customs or concerns are, which begs the question, like, why wouldn't they just say, Hey, we don't have, uh, Exactly. Or Budweiser like, here? Look it's at just- you,
2: fancy lay! You came in here and you misunderstood it. And it's like, what did they do? They secretly like uh, planned. In five minutes to acquire a burger from another place and a, and a beer from somewhere else just to fuck with him? Especially since, at that point, he just comes into the bar. It's like, I'm sorry, that is way more psychotic than assuming that they'd have a, a, a burger at a bar.
1: Okay, this is, this is where the movie fucks up in its categorization of Great Lakes people. Minnesotans would think this is like because Minnesotans are passive aggressive psychopaths. Yeah. <laughs> they would think this is like the greatest victory ever scored over someone like enjoy your hamburger. I do, do you agree with a a, a if hamburger, that were to happen, right?
2: If that were to happen in a in a state, Minnesota would be the state. No, yeah. Wisconsin. They're
1: they're the most repressed people on earth, and to them that is like that is just like a coup to perform yeah. that on someone. <laughs> but Wisconsin, they would just like exhale like job of the hut be like we have we have, we have sausage we, have not, we got sausage and more we have, sausage we have dark worst bright worst bright worst fat worst burnt worst we got liver worst on friday and then he would just trail off for approximately <laughs> 9 years that's correct that's all but right yeah, the that's minnesotan yeah the minnesotan would just like he would jack off to serving the guy the Spite hamburger.
2: He'd be driving twenty miles to the nearest Castro Pug that has hamburgers, just <laughs> yeah. chuckling the entire time. Yeah. he
1: would just he would just be he would just be in his car like fucking idiot. A Hamburger, hamburger, hamburger. Just like to the He's going from Eden Prairie to Edina, They're picking up a hamburger. <laughs> you're, you're gonna eat the fucking hamburger because they like every Minnesotan they they fit like the psychological profile of a serial killer because they were like embarrassed in Miss Gunerson's class in fucking third grade. <laughs> and it just made them the most repressed psychopaths ever. But they pride themselves on being nice. Wisconsinites like Minnesota is a way better place to live. Wisconsinites, though, I appreciate it. they're about what they're about openly.
2: Oh, absolutely. It's you know, because they're I too like drunk. It. They're too like there's no way that they would be able to hold that uh, that plan together long enough. Due yeah. to being shit faced,
1: Minnesotans. Yeah, a Minnesota shit is like you have a dark family secret and you can only communicate it like over
0: words with friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's correct. All right. So, uh, so the, the mayor's race is now seeing in this small town is now seeing a huge influx of of, of super PAC money, and there's quite a bit of comedy wrung out of uh, the 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 Chris Cooper's character campaign, Carell creates all these super facts packs for them that are working out of the same office, but can't talk to each other because there can't be any official, of course, coordination between the super PAC and the campaign, even though they're literally sitting at the same table. And there's some, there's some funny hijinks there. But so essentially what happens is like, it's as it gets closer to election day, you know, forecaster Enton has given him the math. He's given him the raw shit. And Carell comes to the realization of like, look, we can't win this election there's just not enough people like the de- you know, we, we need either we need more Latinos or like, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. Like we just can't get enough people to vote for you. So we got to go negative. We got to stop people from voting for the other guy. And, you know, like then there's this question of uh, it, it turns out that the Republican mayor uh, used his authority to um, intervene in the case of his brother, who was like an oxy addict. And uh, it, after he was arrested, he pulled some strings to get him into rehab instead of prison. And, you know, there's like this whole thing between Chris Cooper and his daughter and Carell where they're like, hey, I thought we were the good guys. You know, we're supposed to when they go low, you know, we're, we're supposed to go high or whatever. And like they, they don't want to do they don't want to play dirty pool. And Steve Carell is like, look, elections are just math. It's just numbers. And like if you want to win, like this is what you got to do to win. And like so like he's he's flummoxed by this. And but then he gets this other bit of. So, OK, so here's where the twist is revealed in the movie. We're like, while there's this conflict over like, are we going to go dirty or not? The daughter goes on her own into the house of the Republican mayor. And you're like, what? Like, you know, why are they sort of collaborating? And as they're talking, you become aware that this whole election is Chris Cooper and the Republican mayor, all sides are actually working together to do this kayfabe contest between the two of them. To just finesse, just like fleece the DNC and RNC and their super PACs of money that they're giving to these campaigns. Right? So like that's, that's the reveal. And the Republican mayor character is like, look, uh, forget the thing with my brother. What we'll do is we'll give them something even better than that. And they concoct a fake story about how he has like a bastard daughter that they that Steve Carell um, sort of foolishly releases on election day. And then it's sort of debunked in real time that like, oh, actually, it's his niece. And it blows up in his face. And, you know, like, oh, they go to the polls and it's like razor tight. And then in the most bizarre scene in the movie that, again, is another clue that this was written in 2007 is there's this one scene on election day where they just plug in shots of antifa and tiki torch wearing alt-right guys and black lives matter Black Lives Matter. so it's just like no dialogue like no gag set up it's just they just show you these groups of people where they're like uh, just to remind you it's 2020 uh, the year is 2020 now I remember remember these things from the very recent past yeah so, rural,
2: all those people would be on a road tripping to rural Wisconsin because of a viral video from three weeks ago Or a month ago or whatever the fuck it is.
0: Absolutely. Eventually what happens is Steve Carell in like a Kaiser Soze uh, bulletin board moment realizes that his underling from the very beginning of the movie that showed him the viral video that began this odyssey and like this whole election contest between the two national parties was from... This small town in, in, in Wisconsin. And that he knew the people that Corel had been interacting with on the campaign. And he's like, what? And then, you know, Kaiser Sose, like dropping the Kobayashi porcelain mug, uh, he realizes that the viral video itself was staged.
1: The Boom, whole yeah. thing,
0: the whole thing was a con. Everyone in the town was in on it the whole time. They were all acting. They were all playing parts. And then, like you know, when the results are coming in, they're like, "It's too close to call." The election's actually a tie. It comes down to one vote. And then Carell busts in. And he's like, "No, no, no!" Like this, this whole thing's a fraud. And then you realize it was the Chris Cooper's daughter was the mastermind of this whole plan, which is barely makes sense at all. It's so like the whole plan Absolutely all not. along was like, "Look, we're a suffering small town. Our town is dying." Uh, otherwise like otherwise nobody would take the national media or no one else or any of the big money donors no one would have paid any attention to our town absent this stunt that we pulled off this con we ran on the media and political consultants and because they formed all these super PACs that funneled 45 million dollars into like into each you know combined into these into these races they're like guess what According to campaign finance law, that money doesn't need to be accounted for. So, like, presumably they're just going to take $45 million and spend it on whatever they want to do to fill in potholes and, like, build a hospital in this town, which I don't think really makes sense. I don't think that's legal. It doesn't. Well, I mean, beyond legal, the vast majority
2: of money that any of the campaigns or super PACs spend is on guys, on salaries for guys like Steve Carell. Like, yeah. and, and they don't, and they're not like it's waiting not for check. The money's not they're fungible. Paid, yeah. They're paid to be there. They're already getting the dispersals. Like all those, like uh, when they show the big war room and all the people in there and Topher Grace, the forecaster, and Natasha Leone, the hilariously Jewish uh, market research lady, those people all already got paid. So unless they're like breaking into their bank accounts, there's nowhere for them to f- to rake the money off of. The money all goes to the fucking uh the the DC scumlord class. That's that's who gets paid for these. Yeah. Otherwise, that it's like oh we're gonna do this insanely convoluted stunt so that what the Holiday Inn by the highway is full for a month, and like the diner gets record business for the weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's like yeah. The money that doesn't go to paying for the salary pays for ads and media buys.
2: Yeah, so like so, the local yeah. radio station, probably like the Madison stations for radio and television, presumably, depending on where. They don't really say where. this, But wherever the nearest metro area is that, they, that they're in the uh, zone of, those are the guys who got all the money in the local area. And the thing is, like you said, if this was a trick to get the national uh, uh, media to pay attention so that they could like, set them straight, that would be cheesy but at least it would be plausible but he has to go to this like goofy con thing because he doesn't have uh i don't think the, the 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 conviction behind any actual prescription to give anybody like a big speech about like what middle america mean needs instead it's like if they just had the money from these rich guys to build a hospital then for the town of 5,000 people, then the economy would get fixed.
0: Well, I mean, this is why, like, uh, you know, if we take this con seriously as representing a point of view, of of the actual point of view of the filmmakers, it's, you know, in a vacuum, not that bad, because I think what the film is saying is that, like, all of the slogans and policies and wonkery and data and media hits that, like, both of these political parties fight each other with for the votes of these small-town people and in Rust Belt dying communities and all, you know, pockmarked across this great land of ours that essentially at the end of the day, like all their problems, like it's not complicated. Like what they need is just a direct transfer of cash from wealthy people directly to them so that they can, you know, invest in their own infrastructure and community in a way that will be sustainable or or provide jobs or whatever. But I mean, it's just, it's so bird brain because essentially like it's liberal mindset where it's just basically the point of the movie is like we need to get big money out of politics
1: yeah that's the ma- that's the main problem the, yeah. and like most of the most of the prescription about the political culture isn't that it's like so much that everyone is venal and greedy and a piece of shit and that has no actual interest in improving anyone's lives it's like it's too partisan
2: yeah, yeah. which was
1: a, sort of the hallmark of the Jon Stewart viewpoint and it's like I don't I don't give a shit. Like I like whatever. If something's funny, I generally don't really care if it's like Ar- Armando Iannucci, famous lib. Famous. Yeah. Like I had to unfollow him on Twitter, but has written some of the greatest political satire of all time. So whatever. Oh, yeah. To this day still writes it. Death of Stalin was hysterical. But this falls short in that avenue. None of the political satire is good. It's all not, political it's satire, the political satire it's not so much about how shitty the consultant characters are and how awful they are it's that they have these sort of cultural foibles but like it's the same american comedy problem that you can't ever have a character that's nakedly detestable and irredeemable even if they are your main character it's a problem it's it's a thing that that's why danny mcbride's the master when danny mcbride writes satires he starts out with the baseline that everyone is disgusting
0: yes Yeah. And that's the thing that it was
2: just. Everybody is basically, uh, everyone is essentially uh, 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 has good intentions. And the thing that stops us from exercising our good intentions is the damn super PACs with their damn hysterically uh, uh, flattening ads making us hate each other.
0: Yeah. Mm. And and it's just like all all of the jokes are like the targets of its satire. And, and, you know, it, it, it does skewer the Rose Byrne and Steve Carell characters as being sort of like, you know, selfish, narcissistic, uh, disconnected from anything real in Americans' lives or politics. But it's not nearly mean enough. In fact, it's not mean at all. And it's just like... It's hard to gauge the level of disgust that Jon Stewart actually has for particularly the Steve Carell character. And like he makes fun of him, but like ultimately he's not like a bad guy. But the real life version of Gary Zimmer is like a a demon, like an absolute absolute monster. Like nothing, absolutely nothing redeemable about him whatsoever. Sociopath. Because that's what's, that's the
2: people who are selected by that system. To get to that point, you have. You either have had all humanity drained out of you and become a fucking Gnostic archon of evil, or you never had it to begin with, Gumar. One or the other.
0: And you know, and like and also like at the end of the movie, of course, like when the jig is up and all is revealed. There's a sort of like a scene of all the townspeople talking to each other about like, oh my god, I never thought we'd get away with it. I was so nervous, but also uh, offering like, you know, quite nuanced and sophisticated political takes. We're like, oh, actually, they are very well informed, and like, Will Sasso and the other guy are just like, hey. It's like I always said is when the news becomes entertainment, you know, like that's when we're all really, uh, you know, screwed then, you know, and like they all have these these like nuanced, smart political takes or whatever. But ultimately, like the town, there is no conflict between like the Republicans or the Democrats or even a right. And there's a no left. conflict at all. There's no, there's no conflict at all. Like there's no real political issues that are being debated or fought over. And like the, 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 the townspeople don't really have any beliefs or commitments no, outside none. of a kind of a, a gentle humanism. That's, that's it. Lacking in big city America. Like you
2: don't need to make them into hooting chuds. Obviously, that would be flattening too, but they don't have any political views. And that's because he's not comfortable with that. He's not comfortable with ideology. I mean, he looks back, he has apparently said, "Oh yeah, I kind of embarrassed about the march on Wash the the march for sanity or whatever the fuck it was." But this proves that nothing he hasn't learned anything because at the end of the day he is his whole like I am a comedian dodge was premised on the fact that he does not have confident political beliefs he is he is he is fully a liberal in the sense that he has a liberal's faith in the american political system and because the american political system is so grotesquely unmatched to the basic well-being of its citizens that that conflict has to be confronted at some point for you to get anywhere meaningful in your like uh an analysis and he just can't make the push and so and, he, yeah. he, he punts. He will always end up punting on actual questions of ideology.
1: And, and, and I also- I, 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 and I do agree with that. Like, I am a comedian Dodge. I do agree with Stewart's, je- even if, like, people think it's a Dodge, and in some ways it could be. I agree with that. Like, the no, general, I do too, the yeah. general yeah. message, like, like we put too much from that talk in our culture. But, yeah, like, even if you are a Lib, like, Iannucci isn't totally afraid to say what he believes. And that's the difference. Yeah. That is and the key difference. He's also
0: not afraid to be like absolutely, like nauseatingly scathing about the people he's portraying, like they're who yes. are, yeah, and like uh, so. So it, it really lands and hits, and like you know, speaking more broadly, it like this, as in terms of this movie revealing the limits of, of this kind of liberal lib mindset, is that like you know, on their own. You know, getting money out of politics and doing away with super PACs, you know, that's a good thing. Public financing of elections, uh, getting rid of advertising on TV, getting rid of like just just brain dead, stupid cable news commentary and sort of partisan uh, bickering, whatever. In and of themselves, those are fine. These things are making our country stupider and more corrupt. But like you could fix all of those things. But like if, if people still don't have money at the end of the month it's like it, it, the material reality is and like the, the, viciousness of this country is not really going to change. Yeah. It's like, and, it'll, it'll make our, maybe our elections a little bit more fair, yeah. but like, uh, but ultimately like it's, it's it, without anything underneath it, it, it's, it's, it's very well, without, hollow.
2: without, without people being able to actually exercise democratic influence through coordinated activity beyond the very unorganized, uh, and frankly, shitty end state of voting where it's almost impossible to coordinate action at all to, to get uh, meaningful influence. You need things like, I don't know, a labor movement to do that. And th- what is the big like there is actually in in the bare schema of this movie, there is a decent policy proposal, which is I mean, this the, the happy ending here is that the town got a bunch of rich people to give them money without them knowing it. And they use it to build a hospital. The implication there being. If we just invested a lot of these rich people's uh, ill-gotten gains that they used to fuck around in the political system, uh, in the in uh, the, the population, uh, you actually could change things. But the mechanism for doing that, I would say, that he proposes is a little out of touch, to put it mildly.
0: Okay, so we need to talk about the very last shot of this movie because that, for me, is what transformed. Oh God! From, I stood like, up and just a- cheered from being a, a a a you know somewhat embarrassing you know whiff to something that was like felt like a knife being turned in my stomach so like they do this little like flash forward where you see the town uh is building a hospital with the super PAC money and that like the tied election they just decided that the daughter would be the mayor of no, the town no they do it, they
2: do it cuz that was a fake election nobody oh. voted except oh, for the so two they, candidates and they voted yeah. for each other i think And then they had another election, and the daughter won.
0: Oh, right, right. Yeah, the the, the townspeople didn't actually vote. yeah, Yeah, they made it tied. And so they do a special election and the daughter becomes mayor of the town. That's great. And then it's sort of like, it, there's like a, the credits roll and it's like you see a scene of Steve Carell like coming back to live in the town and oh, like, oh my God, like he's he's in a relationship with the daughter now and they're together. And I was like, oh, that's a little weird. He's like, you know, 30 years older than her. Um, but then like that cuts away and it's a fantasy and it's Steve Carell in bed eating eating the delicious strudel pastry with uh, with, with lots of gluten and absolutely no soy. With like the the bakery woman who has a crush on him, yeah, but that's also a fantasy. And then it turns out that Steve Carell and Rose Byrne just get back together and they live together and have like a James Carville Mary Matlin style relationship, which is you know fairly realistic and also points to this idea that you know at, at that level of political consulting and machination, like there's no difference between them. Yeah. They believe in all the same things. It's, it's all just fucking kayfabe. It's what they they do. What they get paid for. Like the fact, the idea that James Carville or Mary Matlin. Having fucking just put a pillow over the other person's head one night it just shows how little they care about the politics that they supposedly battle over every right. day. You would put a fucking twenty-two in the other person's head if you gave <laughs> any any shit whatsoever about the things you profess to care about. So that's kind of realistic. But then the last shot of the movie and they do these little like you know Animal House style. Where are they now? Like you know they oh they built the hospital. Uh, they they live together and now shout at each other on CNN. And then the last shot of the movie is just money. Rolling off the printing press at like the at, you know the U.S. Treasury, and then it just says, "But money lived happily ever after," <laughs> and then and then it gives the title of the, of the movie, "Irresistible," but resist in the middle of the word is highlighted in red, and yeah. then it's like the end, and that's I was I was really I, my my tummy hurt so bad looking yeah. at that I was it me such a bad tummy ache it really I felt was... bad. I was
1: begging for the subtlety of Bullworth after that.
0: <laughs> I I love that Dude, moment. Bullworth I actually is, Bullworth holds up actually like I mean if, if people could say it's like canceled it? now but, but yeah I don't know. Let's let's rewatch it to find out. <laughs> okay. Maybe we should rewatch I thought Bullworth.
1: Bull, Bullworth is like it's politics are very good but it's like you cannot ignore that the central concede. it's like what if the senator started rapping. It's amazing. I think we okay. should watch it at some all point. Right. You should, I'll no, watch I mean, it with you guys. Yeah. I will watch it with you guys. Uh,
2: okay, I will say I actually really love that scene, and it got me to stand up and cheer literally in the room because up until that point, the entire experience of watching the movie was very disorienting to me because it was very clear that John Stewart throughout the entire thing is trying to operate. At least he thinks he's trying to operate on a bunch of different levels, right? Because the entire time that there was all the cringy shit about about Carell patronizing these midwestern rubes i was just like i think that this is all going to be a joke on Carell, and then find out aha, it is and then you see out and then there's the triple fake out ending it's like okay he's trying to but then ending at that moment just everything snapped into place and like Mm -hmm. his level of recursive like irony and the limit of it like where he hit the brick wall just became totally clear and i was like okay now i know what movie i'm watching well, Money lived you,
0: happily ever after. Yes, there you go. And now, I guess, like, uh, yes, th- that that is irresistible. It is. Yeah, you can't say it's, no to watching this movie. You
2: cannot do it. It's government mandated. It will be after Biden's president.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I'll just say I'll, I'll leave you with just recommending that you watch. Uh, Alexander Payne's election or Gore Vidal's The Best Man, the movie version with Henry Fonda and Cliff Robertson. Instead,
2: I would recommend the the double feature that Will and Catherine and I did immediately after watching this. We watched we rewrote Southland Tales, or at least Will and I ha- did. Catherine had never seen it before, and watching that, it was the exact opposite experience because Irresistible is uncanny because it's a movie that was made in twenty twenty that looks like it feels like it. Is a time capsule object from 2006. Meanwhile, South of Tales was made in 2006, and it feels like it was made now and sent backward in a dimensional yep. rift.
0: Yep. Um. And also, Will Sasso double feature. You yes. Wrong there, Will, yes. Mm-hmm. Will. Sasso. Get all the
2: Sasso you can. Will
0: Sasso, you're 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 a god, sir. Get a I, soupçon of Sasso. Yeah. Just we need we need some more Sasso. Yeah. Give me that Sasso. Okay, guys, uh, that does it for us this week. That was Irresistible, a cautionary tale for political humorists everywhere. Yeah, it's like,
1: sometimes you gotta retire. I can't wait till we make the shittiest movie ever in (laughs) 15 (laughs) years Fifteen years from now. Oh my god, we're we're gonna finesse
0: the plug so bad and make the most pitch-perfect satire of the 2020 election in the year 2040.
1: Yep, I just want to make push-pull now. Like, I'm that I did like pushful is better than this but uh, absolutely yeah.
0: unquestionably yeah. because there cuz
2: it's all it would presumably all be the kind of awful banter between the two and and because there you think at least I thought for, at first that that the Roseburn Steve Crow relationship would be more of a driver and it isn't it's just sort of in the background uh which makes it frankly worse but there is one scene when they do the kind of politics based banter back and forth that was genuinely just skin peelingly terrible uh and i know that felix could do a better job
0: no no um well i mean crucially like you know if you and andrew wrote that movie like you would like you'd be coming from a place of like actual revulsion and hatred for the people that you're portraying yeah
1: (laughs) um can i read you guys uh one last yeah let's let's, let's close out with this Uh, cooper it's not a good idea tyler we're completely opposed. It would tear the political world apart. Ninja opening White Claw. <laughs> you see those guys over there? We all met competing against each other. I know that elections are pretty freaky different to try and blow up your boy in a game, but we had money and pride on the line. I'm not saying we're going to end up like you guys. Tim the Tap Man. Tell them the truth, Ninja, about our honeymoon. Uh, other guy. That's just wrong. Ninja flicking off Tim the Tap Man. But if a bunch of freaky gamers could drop the trash talk and see their people behind the clan tags and the keyboard, yeah, man, I think two people who work in politics could do it. And if it doesn't work out, just vote her out. Uh, Cooper, looking at selfie he took with Dodario at a, a Washington Monument w- wistfully. Ninja. John, go W key for your girl, man. <laughs> Ooh.
0: Wow. Ooh. Wow. Okay. <laughs> We'll, we'll, right. leave me, we'll
1: leave you with
2: that Megan
1: Ellison Our DMs are open yeah, If you made this movie contact me I could write this movie in an afternoon Me and Andrew We're only asking for 10 million dollars <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's make it happen if you're, if you're a Hollywood pedophile That listens to our show And I have good reason to believe many of you are yes. Dude let's give us the green light Come on baby Let's go Alright guys Bye-bye. See you later. Yeah. Bye
2: bye.